Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Digest, your one-stop podcast for thought-provoking insights and compelling stories. Each episode, we sift through the web's richest content, carefully curated for those with an insatiable thirst for knowledge in the realm of self-improvement. So sit tight, open your mind, and get ready for an adventure of understanding and inspiration. Today's episode is brought to you by Blogcast, your personalized audio feed available on iPhone and Android. In today's episode of the Self-Improvement Digest podcast, we will be discussing the chronic habit of complaining. Do you find yourself complaining often? Being able to notice and change this habitual reaction will transform your inner landscape and relationships. Jennifer Galley shares her insights on how to break this habit and live a more positive life. Let's dive in. The chronic habit of complaining. Being able to notice and change the habitual reaction of complaining will transform your inner landscape and relationships. Written and read by Jennifer Galley. Complaining is a form of suffering. It's a conscious or unconscious decision to reject your current circumstances. Complaining is rooted in not having certain needs and wants met. When your environment and the people in it do not act according to your projections, you may cultivate agitation, annoyance, and irritability. Our expectations and assumptions around how the world should operate trip us up. To complain is to express grief pain, or discontent, or to make a formal accusation. You can become so entrenched in a lackluster despair of your world and how things are not going according to plan. Let it be known, the intent of this post is not to shame or blame. I'm here to explore when complaining specifically becomes a second nature default attitude, a habit. I'll confess, I pretty much complained the whole two years of the pandemic as I entered motherhood tirelessly and burnt out. I complained a lot. Everything seemed to ignite an agitated rant. I was in survival mode and there was no space or will to get introspective about this toxic habitual reactivity. When we live in reactivity, we edge conscientiousness out. Within any communication, there is an exchange. For the purpose of this post, I will be exploring complaining through the lens of the complainer, the receiver, and what you can do about this potentially chronic habit. To some extent, we all complain, whether we do it in the confines of our own mind or frequently to any listening ear. You have certain expectations and visions for how your life should unfold, but life happens. You are let down, you miss opportunities, you witness people change, you go through loss, you desire more, you get misguided, you burn with anger. Life can feel inconvenient. The tight grip to an idealistic vision can launch you into a space of discontent and refusal. What would it be like if I could accept life, accept this moment, exactly as it is? Imagine having the cognitive ability to want change in a person or situation, while simultaneously being able to find acceptance. These two elements, needing change and gaining acceptance, seems like opposing forces. But these capacities work in unison to curtail complaining and reactivity. It's not about eliminating complaining from your psyche. It's about how you process and reconceptualize these grievances, reshaping your inner dialogue to create a more helpful narrative. The complainer. How may it serve you? There may be some functionality to complaining. We are social creatures, and communication requires that you assert, Define and identify your experiences in the world. 
from a social sciences perspective, complaints serve several possible purposes. People often complain to make small talk or vent frustrations, which can alleviate the detrimental effects of suppressing negative thoughts and feelings. People also complain in order to influence the perception and behavior of others. Complainers may wish to warn people about a negative experience, obtain redress, or solicit sympathy and moral support. Finally, complainers may want to demonstrate refined tastes or high standards in order to communicate a desirable image. Because of complaining's benefits, obtaining compensation, receiving sympathy, or creating a positive image, people sometimes complain even when they're satisfied. In the attempt to identify our emotions and understand how they influence our decision-making, complaining could have meaning-making utility, but time and place matter. For example, complaining and ranting in a therapeutic setting is somewhat a requirement. If communicated in the appropriate space, letting out your frustrations can be cathartic, even healing. Reflecting on your perceptions of reality is the only way we can dissect it and identify the illusions. So share, rant, complain, be angry, grieve. Let it pass through you. This is a form of practicing acceptance. Getting stuck in this state is the crux of the problem. Complaining can also take the form of venting. Venting is the expression of dramatic and intense sharing often laced with anger. We all do it. The release of pent-up emotions may feel like you're getting ahead of these feelings, But recent research in neuroplasticity shows that this may not be the case after all. Instead of an offloading effect, venting may actually bolster negative emotions and increase their occurrences in your thinking patterns. You can think of our brain circuitry like hiking trails. The ones that get a lot of traffic get smoother and wider, with brush stomped down and pushed back. The neural pathways that sit fallow grow over, becoming less likely to be used. Kindergarten teachers are thus spot on when they say, the thoughts you water are the ones that grow. This is also true for emotions, like resentment and the ways we respond to them, like venting. The more we vent, the more likely we are to vent in the future. With the desire to move towards a life that is less stressful and more joy-inducing, it's wise to start routinely reframing how you view the situations that arise. In reflecting on your inner dialogue, Ask yourself, is the plot of my personal narrative centered on victory or victimhood? The receiver, how can you support? Complaining can be contagious. If you're anything like me, you get easily sucked into the drama of naysaying. This particular behavior is rooted in my yearning to connect with people and make them feel validated. I want others to feel acknowledged, even empowered. But the forum of discontent and grumbling may not be the most fitting arena for this application. Remember, time and place matter. So, how can you support the people in your life who seem to be caught up in the whirlwind of their narrative? Listen. You can simply listen. And once you think you're really nailing this listening business, listen a little more. If you're attempting to get ahead of a runaway train, You don't jump on and demand to go faster. We know that complaining loves company, as well as quite literally reinforces this begrudging behavior via connections in your brain. We also know that you can't control people and how they perceive the world. 
This would mean that being able to truly support someone moving through the waves of their discontent requires humility and kindness. This approach to the human dynamic is so eloquently described by Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh when he explains that you have to take the time to look and see the suffering in the other person. You must be prepared. Deep listening has only one purpose, to help others suffer less. Even if the person says wrong things, expresses bitterness, or blames, continue to listen compassionately for as long as you can. He also acknowledges that we don't always have the ability, capacity, or even desire to deeply listen to someone. And that's okay too. In those instances, you can communicate your needs and abilities. If you're not prepared to deeply listen, without defense and rebuttal, which often exasperates complaining, then take your space and revisit the situation if appropriate. Providing feedback may also be part of the process, but sometimes support can look like time and space between people. So, how do you find acceptance, not complacency, for the causes of your relentless complaining? To accept a situation is to acknowledge the details of reality. This does not mean being complacent to circumstances that are demeaning, traumatizing, or even violent. What I'm referring to is minimizing mind chatter and verbal communication that echoes skewed storytelling and embellishment. Acceptance from this point of view is an internal process that allows you to consciously assess the context and digest the facts of the matter. To accept something as it is is not to imply automatic happiness or satisfaction with a given situation. It means you understand what's going on and how to move forward. Here's how you can get ahead of automatic complaining. One, commit to thinking about instances of complaining and how it may show up in your life. Maybe read an article, journal about it, chat with a friend, or merely start to entertain an interest in this particular thought pattern. Two, notice the moments when resistance bubbles up. Building awareness and creating space between the stream of thoughts is quite literally a skill. You're attempting to leap out of your habitual thinking patterns to have a breather before reactivity kicks in. Three, investigate your triggers when complaining crops up. What environments make you feel resistant and frustrated? Maybe it's a particular person. What types of actions and behaviors throw you into complaining? Why are you so annoyed, agitated, pissed, downright sick and tired? Is there a pattern appearing? Four, alter the direction of your thought and speech. This is where actual progress is made. It's nice to notice and identify, but if you aren't working toward consciously changing the way you see the world, then you'll continue on the hamster wheel. Here's where you start to take accountability. Sure, there will be jerks and ignorance everywhere. But these situations should not take up a good chunk of your real estate in your mind and time. Practice switching gears. You're about to vent to a friend for the 20th time, but you decide not to and change the topic. This is practice in action. If you enjoyed this, you may also like our other podcasts, The Productivity Digest, The Psychology Digest, and The Life Digest. Stay curious, stay inspired, and thanks for listening.